Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Oh, amen. Well, listen, come with me in your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel chapter 10, Ezekiel chapter 10, and then we're going to go down to verse 14. Ezekiel 10, 14 says, each of the four cherubim, each of the four cherubim had four faces. The first face was the face of an ox. The second was a human face. The third face was the face of a lion. And the fourth face was the face of an eagle. Today, I want to speak about the four faces of a heavenly leader. The four faces of a heavenly leader. I, I, it's really interesting as I, as I was preparing and Really, a lot, nearly all preparation for me flows out of um, daily devotion. I, I, I cannot stress more highly having a daily devotion to the Word of God. Um, I would even say this to you that probably 99% of the Word of the Lord that comes to me, for me personally, for, for my navigation, marriage, family, children, everything, comes from the overflow of a daily devotion. Um, the great trap that pastors and campus pastors and preachers and ministers need to avoid is you can get so busy that you're, you're in the word fishing for a sermon. That's, that's not where you want to live. The Holy Ghost will still turn up because he wants to feed the sheep. He wants to feed the people. But you've but you, you, you got to try and recorrect that so that you're in the word and out of that daily overflow um, you, you bring the word. Another, another thing that's really, really interesting is um, I just finished a 21-day no wine or alcohol fast. And um, it was just, it was really interesting because I found that I was really looking forward to a glass of red wine, uh, you, you know, coming up before the fast on a regular basis. And the Holy Ghost, he's so beautiful. He's such a beautiful helper. He said to me, um, there's a very, very faint line, like almost like a, a little tiny bridge that you didn't even realize you just walked over between enjoyable and dependable. That I was really enjoying red wine, but it was almost like the, the flesh. I was coming to depend on a glass of red wine to de-stress and decompress, you know, the day. And so the first seven days was really, really hard. I would, um, you know, encourage Leanne to order a glass of red wine just so I could smell it. <laughs> and then I'm like, why did I smell it? Now I want to sip it. And, um, but what was really interesting about, about probably halfway through is I started having the most in incredible dreams. Actually, I didn't even realize it really affects your REM. Alcohol damages your REM, your rapid eye movement, really deep sleep. And, but I was having the most amazing prophetic dreams. So I'd go to sleep and then prophetic dream, prophetic dream, prophetic dream, prophetic dream. Sometimes even you need to do this, don't do that, you know, 
shift energy over here, focus on that, and uh, really good. So even while I'm sleeping, the Holy Ghost is giving me, so I'm waking fresh, and I'm waking with vision, and I'm waking with the, with the word of the Lord. So just want to encourage, prayer and fasting, we're going to do it in January, we do it every January, but don't just leave it to, to a January. The best time to, to pray and fast is if you find that you went from, I enjoy coffee, to I depend on coffee, or I enjoy you know, sugar, or whatever it is, because the, the flesh is, is cheeky. And so you always want to stay one step ahead. All right, so get, let's, let's get into the four faces of a heavenly leader. And these are, these are four facets that I, that I feel that, uh, that, I, that, that are very, very important to me. But it's very interesting because when you read in the book of Revelation, it's repeated in Revelation. And uh, th these are the four facets of Jesus. So we know that there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and so in Matthew, Jesus is presented as, as uh, the, the lion. And uh, in, in Mark, he's presented as the ox. In Luke, he's presented as the man. And in John, he's presented as the eagle, as the son of God, as the divine son of God. And so we see these, these four faces come through again. So the first one is the ox. The ox is the servant. Let me just say this, that we never graduate from serving. We never graduate from serving. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I've, I've, I've got a business card that says leader. I've got a business card that says pastor. I've, I've got, you know, pastor on my door. I've finally arrived all the years of seminary and study, and now I've arrived. I'm the leader. Well done. Uh, but you need to understand that the kind of leader in the kingdom is different to the leader that is in the world. The leader in the kingdom is an ox, and the ox is a servant. The ox is yoked. It brings its strength under leadership, and it is, it is a servant. You never graduate from ser serving. So a lot of people say, well, what about Jesus? He now sits at the right hand of God. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Because in Romans 8.34... Romans 8, verse 34, it says, Jesus sits now at the right hand of God, at the right hand of power, making intercession for the saints. So even Jesus, who has graduated, who's now seated at the right hand of God, is standing there making intercession, interceding, for you and I say, so even in heaven, he hasn't stopped serving. You would think the one place, the one person who is probably, he died on a cross, rose again, you know, taught the devil a new one, took the keys of death and hell, now has ascended, sits at the right hand of the Father, and still has not stopped serving. And the Bible says that while the devil accuses us day and night, Jesus responds with intercession. Right. <clears throat> So the, 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 great, the great posture to take. So Jesus in Luke 22, uh, 25 and 26 talks about how you know how the kings and the rulers of the Gentiles use authority to lord it over. It shall not be so among you. But whoever s desires to be the greatest, let him become the least and the servant of all. The servant of all. We never graduate from serving. It's, it's, if, if you can just have that posture, it is the, probably the most profound, it is the most important. We never graduate from serving. You, you'll always know a church that graduates from serving because it has gone cold. Wow. Wow. You know, I went to go to a, a restaurant the other night and, uh, 
And we got there at like 9.04 and they said, oh, no, 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 the, the kitchen's closed. And it's been a slow night, the kitchen's closed. And th that kitchen used to be open till, you know, 10.30, 11, and then it moved from 10.30 to 10, from 10 to 9.30. Now at 9.04, they're like, yeah, we can't, we can't be bothered. And the truth is we, we, we actually noticed like a little bit of a dip in the service. And, and really what had happened is success had made them quite entitled. Success had made the staff and the, the team quite entitled. And I thought, wow, it it's, won't be long. You can't see it, but the writing is already on the wall. You know, when you serve people, the, the great difference between Germany and Italy was when, we were, when we'd be walking through the piazzas in Italy, and the piazza was packed. It was packed. The restaurants were packed. And, uh, and you know, they, they would see us and, you know, un tavolo, un tavolo, seis, you know, and they'd try and get you in. And I'm looking going, you don't have a table. And they'd go, you know, cinque minuti. They'd like, give us five minutes. And hey, you want prosecco, prosecco? And they'd give, so we're standing, and it's like, flip, if they're going to give us prosecco, I'll wait 10 minutes. <laughs> and uh, and they, would, they would go, we get to Germany and we look up and we see the, all these empty tables and we're like, oh, let's you know, grab, a, grab a table. And uh, they're like, oh, no, no, I just have to speak with my colleague. What the hell do you need to speak with your colleague for? There's empty tables. <laughs> yes, yes, but it's, it's 20 past nine and we, the kitchen closes at 9.30. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's 20 past nine. Yeah, yeah, but they so, so might have always started cleaning up. Well, then they can clean up a second time. Like where, oh no, we talked to our colleagues, we can't take you tonight, you have to come back tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, you know what I'm not doing? Coming back tomorrow. <laughs> you can blow it out your shorts. And so it was just, just interesting, just the, the lack of servant. I thought, my God, I never want to be like that in church. I never want to be like that. You know, the, a, an inability to serve. If you think of the most enjoyable dining experience, if you fly, if you stay in a hotel, rent a car, you know, compared to a DMV, where it's just next. Now you're gonna fill out the form, you're gonna have like no service. No the the ability to serve is ability to, to be excellent. You know, I tell you what was really interesting is Jesus, the Bible says, on the night that he was to be betrayed, it's all the things that's going through his head. He's this is the night where he's going to be betrayed, handed over to the sinners, and then it's, it, it's, it's literally a roller coaster ride where he's strapped in and can't get off to the crucifixion and then the resurrection. And the Bible says on the night that he was to be betrayed, took off his outer garment, clothed himself in a towel, and then began to wash the disciples' feet, wow. even the feet of Judas. Judas, his betrayer, is lined up, and Jesus is about to wash Judas's feet. What a servant. Are you kidding me? So Jesus, on the night that he was going to be betrayed, if anybody had an excuse, hey, I don't feel like serving tonight. Tonight it's all about me. Do you know what I'm about to go through? Jesus put his personal turmoil, put his personal crises, put his personal anguish, personal stress and distress aside and continued to serve, washing the disciples' feet, even washing Judas's feet. Many, many, many years ago in the, the very, very uh, early beginning of building the church, 
I remember the Holy Spirit asking me the question. He said, can Judas serve on your team? And I was very, very proud to respond back to him and say, not a chance. (laughs) Holy Ghost, our team, loyal. Our team, so faithful. Probably, Probably my leadership. They're so loyal, so stellar. Uh, I'd sniff a Judas out like that. And then the Holy Ghost goes, ah, so Jesus made a mistake. Oh, well, hang on, whoa, 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 hang on, what, what? And then he came a second time. Can Judas serve on your team? And then I realized he was actually measuring me. He was measuring my capacity because most leaders will only invest if there's a guaranteed return on that investment. Jesus washed Judas's feet knowing that the very feet that he was washing would be the feet that would run and tattletale 30 pieces of silver and then would run back and give him a kiss saying this is the one and betray Jesus and yet Jesus still served and God was saying can you pour into people? Can you love people? Can you give to people even if they, they turn their back on you. They let you down. Can you keep pouring out? Because if you, if you can get that posture, then you realize, actually, I'm doing it unto the Lord. The Bible says everything your hand finds to do, do it unto the Lord. It's very easy because God is invisible. God is unseen. It's very, very easy. Well, you know, I could do it unto the Lord, but, but I'm actually doing it because I need guaranteed return, I need guaranteed results, and I need guaranteed uh, response, and I need guaranteed approval. I can't tell you how many times I've sent a text message to somebody and no response. I'm like, oh, I'm not sending them a text. I'm like, hang on, what am I doing? Like, you know, there was no response or you send a gift and there was no thank you. And, you know, they didn't realize, I didn't realize that the, you know, the, the card got lost. So they got a gift and they don't know who it's from. But I'm like getting all, well, I'm never sending them a gift again. But they're sitting at home all grateful and thankful for this beautiful gift. But the, it, it's do everything you do, do unto the Lord. Don't look to the hand of man. Don't look to the hand of man. Look to the hand of God. Here's, here's another one just while we're on, on the foot washing. Uh, this, this, this is something that I, I think is, is prevalent in every organization, but is something we have to watch, I think, more than any organization in, in the church. Um, and, and that is that we love to sit and receive our feet washed. But Jesus, when he was washing the disciples' feet, says, because Peter's piping off, Lord, this is far beneath you. This is for slaves. What are you doing? You know, and Jesus is like, oh, my gosh. Simon, you don't understand what I'm doing, but it's important. I'm setting you an example that you should do this for others. I'm setting you an example. I'm leaving. This is the posture I want you to take. It's amazing how many of us, we like to receive our feet washed, but we don't want to give feet washed. We like to receive mercy, but we don't like to give mercy. We like to receive grace and kindness. We just don't like to give grace and kindness. And you'll find that it's, it's always the detriment. I was talking with a, a guy who uh, owns, owns a fairly significant company, and he was saying he just had to let somebody go. And, and I said, oh, you know, t- tell me what was going on. He says, well, this particular person, uh, you know, sat at, sat at our table was, was a, a beneficiary of this gesture and this generosity and this kindness. And when they made a mistake, you know, received grace, but then would take a completely different spirit and was nasty and was cold and was brutal. And wow, so you drink from here, but you won't extend it there? 
It's 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 so prevalent. You 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 can't do that. Like you like remember the story where Jesus says, you know, there's a guy who owes his master money, fifty thousand, and the master forgives him. And then that guy goes out and there's a guy who owes him five thousand and he throws the guy in prison till every last cent. And the master's like, hang on a minute, whoa, what's going on? I forgave you 50,000, shouldn't you have forgiven? You know what, throw this guy in prison where he'll be tormented until every you know, debt is paid. Because the guy was happy to receive but not happy to give. Christianity, take on the form of a servant. Make sure that the, the, the table that you eat from, you're extending. Make sure the table that you drink from, that you're, ex, you're extending. If you're receiving grace, you should extend grace. If you're receiving kindness, extend that, that, that kindness. Does that make sense? All right, the face of an ox. The next one is the face of a man. Oh, so the ox is servant. Did you get that? Was that behind me? The next one is man. Man is both son and submission. Son and submission. God created man not because he needed a worker. God created man because he wanted family. He wanted family. I don't read my Bible because that's my responsibility and as a minister of the gospel and as a, as a preacher of righteousness and good news, I need to be studying the text, the Greek, the Aramaic, the Hebraic texts and, and the Torah and the Talmud so that every Sunday I may get up and be the revelator and bring revelation, bring freshmen. Even though some of those things are true, I don't read the word because this is my job. I read the word because I want to know my Abba. I want to know, you, you, before ministry, before preaching, before platforms, before leadership, before taking a city, before planting campuses, before developing leaders, before everything, before all of that, I have to be his son. You are his child. You are his son and you are his daughter. God created you for fellowship. He created you for connection. He created you to know him. The disciples come to Jesus in John 6 and they say, Jesus, what, what are the works that we must do that we may work the works of God? And he says, believe in the one whom the Father has sent. And then in John 17, when he was praying, he says, and this is eternal life that they may know you. This is eternal life that they may know you. There is no substitute for knowing God. Even doing God or doing God's work is no substitute for knowing him. How do we know this? Because Jesus, as many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do miracles, perform miracles? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not raise the dead? Did we not? And Jesus, and then it'll be plain. It'll be obvious. I'll be able to tell them, I never knew you. You, 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 you got my name. Well done, Einstein. It does have power because I kicked the devil and rose from on the third day. So well done. You knew that my name has power. But you're out there doing. I didn't die so you'd be a doer. I died so you could be my family. I, ne I don't even know who you are. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This, the great antidote to, to lawlessness and going the, the spirit of the world is recognizing that you are a son, that you're a daughter, you're a child of God. And having that posture, having that connection, your first call, your first ministry is to him. Your first ministry, 
First ministry is to God, intimacy with God, connection with God, walking with God, relationship with God. God is not a formula. He's not a force. He's a person. And he created you and he has, he has the most beautiful things. And let me just say this. This is what I found in my life that um, like I know that God doesn't have favorites, but I got to just come transparent and clean this morning. I am his favorite. I don't know why. It's awkward. There are times I'm like, God, okay, you need to turn it down a little bit. People are starting to notice. Like, my prayers get answered. Like, my life is freaking awesome. Like, surrounded by the best people. And, uh, and it's, it's really, there, there are treasures that God has for people who are intimate. If you're too busy, and let me tell you, the, the, you know, the devil thought that he tripped me up and tricked me up by giving me dysfunction in my earthly father not realizing that it would actually do the opposite. It would drive me to encounter my heavenly father. And the love that I receive from him, the grace that I receive, the, the goodness that I receive, you know, running to him. So, so I want to please him. I want to walk with him. So that brings me from Sunday to submission because what I found is when I read the Bible, which is important, when you read the Bible, you will find that when man rebelled against God, when he stepped out from under submission, that was the point of the tree. The point of the tree in the garden was simply God says to Adam, of all the trees you can freely eat, but there's one that belongs to me. Don't eat from that tree. The day that you eat from that tree, death will come into, into your, your world. And I don't want you to experience that. But I need to put the tree there because I've given you authority, and that th authority only flows when you're in submission. And submission is you recognizing that you have to tend and keep something you can't feed from that, that, because it belongs to me. And every day you look at the fruit and you don't eat from it, you're acknowledging that there's something greater. There's somebody higher than you that you are to honor. That's why the tithe is exactly the same. So people are like, oh, I would, I would, if I was Adam, I wouldn't have eaten from the tree. Yeah, well, if you don't tithe your jack wagon, you just ate from the tree. Because the tithe is recognizing that right there in your midst is something that doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And if you're eating it, you're, you're, you're eating from, from the tree. So you, that's why you bring the tithe. Every time you bring the tithe into the storehouse, you're acknowledging Jesus Christ is Lord over my life. Power flows in submission. Remember the centurion who says, hey, you don't even, Jesus, you don't even need to come under my roof. Like you, I too am a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes. To this one, come, and he come. Uh, just speak the word. And, my, and Jesus like, my God, this guy, because of his submission, in all Israel, I haven't sound, found such great faith. Great faith comes from submission. Always take the posture of submission. There was a guy called Henry Varley. Henry Varley spoke to a young man who was, just had a, had a call of God, had a desire to do something for God. And he says to this young man, he says, Hey, Moody, the world has yet to see what God can do through one man who's totally consecrated to God. And D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody, was so rocked that those words just literally spun in his head for months and months. And it became Dwight L. Moody's prayers that I will be that man. I will be that man. And if you look at 
recent church history in the last few hundred years, Dwight L. Moody, who got Charles Finney saved, like the revivals that happened under Moody, the, the people that he led to Christ, because he wanted to be that man. He says, I will be that man. Totally surrendered to God. The Bible says in James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There are a lot of people trying to resist the devil, and nothing's happening because you haven't first submitted to God. But you will find that if you submit to God, now you have authority to re rebuke the devil. But if you're just yelling at the devil, shouting at the devil, unsubmitted, you're going to just lo lose your voice. That's the only thing that's leaving you. But if you submit to God, you will find that power begins to flow. Now, let me just dig down a little bit deeper. This kicked me in the in the, the keister as I was reading this in my quiet time two days ago. This is James 3, 13 to 16. If we can throw this one up, this is in the NLT, the New Living Translation. It says, if you are wise and you understand God's ways, James 3, 13 to 16. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition there you will find disorder and evil of every kind i'd love to tell you this is just for the unchurched people but it's actually a letter to church people and i'm like oh m goodness you have to guard your heart you've you and i have to guard our heart from jealousy Envy, selfish ambitions, and it's unbelievable. The, the, the selfish ambitions, that, that promotion, that raise, that, that title, that opportunity should have gone to me. For many, many years, I, I would sit there, and there was a particular person I went through Bible college with, and I'm watching this person on this platform, watching this person on that, and I am losing my mind. I am, because I know the person. I'm like, ah, you know. They are, they, they are a, a, a master of illusion and stick tricks on the stage, but I know the, man, how come people aren't looking at, and I'm, I'm having moments with God, and I promise you, God is laughing at me the whole freaking time. And I'm like, God, why do you keep doing this? Everywhere I go, there would be, you know, I'm in a hotel, and there's, a Christian magazine, and this person's on the front cover. And I'm like, oh, again? Are you going to do this to me again? And it was like he was rubbing it in because he was saying, you can't, you got to stop with this jealousy and this selfish ambition. Promotion doesn't come from the East or the West. When will you stop looking to the hand of man? I elevate one and I put down another. And this is this particular person's season. And I'm shining my light on this particular person. And just because you know things and you think that you can do a better job and all that kind of stuff is the very, very reasons why I'm not putting you up there. Look at your insecurity. Look at your envy. Look at your jealousy. Look at your selfish ambition. That's why you're disqualified. And he says, and Jürgen, you're not trusting me. Because for you to be envious of somebody 
somebody else being on the platform and somebody else being invited to preach that opportunity that you think should have gone to you or you could have done a better job. What you're saying is that you don't trust me. And trust is spelled F-A-I-T-H. And you need faith if you're going to do anything in your city. So the greatest way to build faith is trust me. To trust me, you have to give it over to me. And then he says, I want you to bless that person. And because of your bad attitude, you're going to invite them to come and preach in your church. I said, I'm going to invite them to preach in my church. I said, give me one reason why I, why I should invite them to preach in my church. He says, because it's my church. And I'm telling you. <laughs> so I had to send an invitation. Thank you, beautiful Pastor Becky. Uh, so in Genesis 2.5, this is a really beautiful verse. Genesis 2.5. Genesis 2.5 says that um, there was no man yet to till the ground. So before the trees and everything, there was no man to till the soil. There was not yet a man to till the ground, which is really interesting. So, so God created, but then man had a responsibility to till and prepare the soil, to take care of the garden. There was not yet a man to take care of things. And then two verses later says, you know, tells us the story of creation. Then you fast forward to John chapter 20, verse 15, and Mary is at the tomb and she looks around and she doesn't realize Jesus has, has approached her and she looks at Jesus and she doesn't recognize him. The reason she doesn't recognize him is because Jesus died when he was 33. When he was resurrected, he was resurrected in an ageless body, probably without his beard, and she didn't know him at 21. So he probably looked, and so she's like, so she thought, she just assumed he must be the gardener. Of all the things, she didn't think he was a mechanic, a Pharisee, a Sadducee, a scribe, a lawyer, assuming that he's the gardener. So even the resurrected Jesus looks like a gardener. Many, many years ago, and this is the constant, constant Holy Ghost in my life, God said to me, Jürgen, what's growing in your garden? What's growing in your garden? And I thought he was talking about my garden at Dalmahoy Place in Waddle Downs, New Zealand. And I'm like, there, there are some, because I did steal a couple of ferns on the way home from the surf on the Coromandel. Just pulled over, ripped them out, put them in my trunk, took them home, planted them. And I was, yeah, I mean, there's millions of them. I felt like they're not going to notice a few missing. And, uh, but they, they did get pulled out. They did get ripped out. Yeah, no, I didn't pull them out of someone's house. And I, used to, I, used to, I used to take rocks from the beach because we had no money. So I had to t I would, and literally I put so many big rocks in because it just looks great in your garden that, that, that I, I wore out my tires and damaged the suspension because it was so hit. Anyway, and so... Um, <clears throat> I thought he was talking about that. And he's like, no, no, the garden of your heart. And it's literally like he shone a light into my heart. And I had all of these little secret sins, had all of these little things growing in my, in my garden, the garden of my heart. And God said to me, do you want a harvest of all of those things? And some were little bitty plants and some were a little bit bigger and some were starting to get a little bit awkward and the branches were kind of protruding into. And then I began to see 
uh, that Proverbs 20, 27 says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the inner rooms of his heart. And I saw bitterness. I saw resentment towards my dad, unforgiveness. I saw these inner vows or these silent vows. I will never, I'm never going to, that, that I'd made. I saw jealousy, envy, hatred. I saw lust, adultery. I saw all these things that I didn't want to see in my heart. I saw them there and the Holy Ghost is like, are you going to let those things grow or are you going to weed your heart? As my son, in submission, I need you to be a gardener. The first man I created was a gardener. And when Jesus was resurrected, he was a gardener. Be a gardener. You, you are responsible for your heart. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. I know we sing the song, Lord, I give you my heart. Give. And God's like, that's awesome. But here, I, I need you to have it back and take care of it. No, no, no. Lord, I give you my heart. Yeah, that's wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, but I'm giving it back to you because my Bible says I want you to guard your heart. It's actually the way that you honor me. Yeah, but Lord, I just give you control. I didn't ask you to give me control. I'm asking you to guard your heart, and that requires weeding it. Somebody say amen. All right, I've got, I'm already over. Oh, dear Jesus. All right, number three is the lion. Lion is strength. So we've got servant, we've got son, submission, and we've got lion strength. One of the things you'll notice about our... Um, twisted this year is the head angel is uh, a beautiful man called George Washington. Easy to remember, first president. But uh, man, he, he, his character this year is strength, but he's very pastoral. And it just comes out in his voice. I don't even know if he's intentionally doing it. More than likely, Annika and Christian coached it. But I'm telling you, he is strong and kind. He is strong and kind. Can I tell you that as, as, as leaders, we need to wear the lion face where you are strong, but you never lose kind. In your strength, if you have to become nasty or cold or brutal when you're strong, you're missing it. I love C.S. Lewis, the lion witch in the wardrobe with Aslan. And the little girl, ah, she says, you know, is, is, is he tame? Oh, no. No, he's not tame, but he is good. He's not tame, but he is good. Jesus is not tame, but he is good. God is not tame, but he is good. We need to, we need to make sure that in our strengths, we don't, you know, the 11th commandment, Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you. And he's the only one who can give a new commandment because he gave the old 10. So there are actually 11 commandments. And the 11th commandment is, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. So how did Jesus love them? Peter denies him. Thomas doubts him. They all fail in the boat. None of them have faith. They're squabbling over who's at the right hand, who's at the... And Jesus was just relentless in his love. We never get to take the love hat on. Even when I, you know, or Leanne and I, or for us as a, as a discipleship culture, when we correct people, we do it in love. It's never to punish. It should never be punitive. It should always be corrective and restorative because we love, because we see. We see more in you. Would you let me? 
Would you let me pull this out? Would you let me remove? Would you let me speak into this area because I love you? But here's the thing: the Bible says in the last days the love of many will grow cold. It is it, one of the first things to, to to extinguish. One of the first flames that'll go out is that love. That love does not get lit by the world. That love gets lit by by intimacy with God, by relationship with God. If you find that happening, and it can, because nothing will frustrate you like people, but nothing will bless you like people. So you've got to go to God so that you always have that posture of that love. I, I do it because I love you. I love you. Do you know in, in winter, the other day we were, we were out and it was freaking freezing. I'm not sure what it is at the moment. The temperature is like, I'm not sure whether it's just because I'm a grandpa or all of a sudden like I have a, have a carte blanche that I'm allowed to feel when it's cold. It's cold in here. It's cold. What time is it? It's cold in here. <laughs> It's cold, and I don't know what time it is. And, and, uh, but I noticed there was, there was a fire, and the next moment we were all just kind of gravitating to the fire, and we're just around the fire. And even though it was cold, it was so beautiful, so warm around the fire. It was really pleasant. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, that's the fire is the love of God. He says, and winter is a world that is away from God. And he says, and people... people they're not coming because they need religion in their life. They're coming because they're cold and they're looking for warmth. Do they feel the warmth of the fire of God's love? And if you and I don't carry it, where can they find it? If you and I don't carry it, where can they find it? Our leaders and our teams need to. They need to feel that love. Lions are courageous. And lions are protective. You find the young lions are scrapping and they're playing. The female lions are able to hunt and rest and hunt and rest because they, they live under the alpha lion who has marked his territory and he provides his protection. He provides it in an environment where that's why God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Literally, he's saying, Joshua, the face that I want you to put on right now is that of a lion of strength and courage, but everything in the context of love. You know, I tell you, we have, we have some incredibly strong uh, female leaders and I love it. I love that we have strong female leaders. But the reason that we, that we do emerge is because we can't just let the women do all the heavy lifting. You know, when we're in, in Italy, the, the, the church is, the women go into church. The church is the women's thing. And all the men stand outside and they all smoke cigarettes and they you know, talk business. And, you know, because the, the, the spiritual stuff is for the woman. And, uh, and I could see how the devil knew that if, if the Romans, if the, if these guys had faith and empowered their men, it would be game over for his kingdom. Can I just tell you, we need strong women and we need strong men. We've got to have strong men. We have a fabulous generation that need both. All right, the last one is the eagle. The eagle is the seer. The eagle is a seer. Eagles fly higher than any other bird. Did you know that an eagle can fly at two miles in the, in the sky and spot a rabbit? and see a rabbit, and from two miles away, you and I, just to even identify, would need the, the most strongest binoculars to, to, to see a rabbit running in a field. An eagle from two miles away can spot a rabbit and swoop down and take it. So this, this tells us that, that, that God wants you and I to be a seer. To be a seer, it begins with, with the man in the mirror. In James 1.22, just have a look at this one. This one is another one that punched me right in the face. 
James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Ouch. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Be, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. See, have eyes to see, have eyes to see, have eyes to see. And I found it's easier to preach the word than it is to live the word. However, the reward is in the, the application of the word of God in my life. You need to become a seer. Now, here's, here's the reason I went into that. So Proverbs 20, 27 says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the inner rooms of his heart. So God will take your spirit if you permit him to, and he wants access to the basement. He wants access to the attic. He wants access to the bedroom. He wants access to the rooms in your heart. Does he have access? Does he have permission? Because whenever he walks with the lamp, it's going to expose what's in there. It's going to expose what's in there. Discipleship is giving God the permission to take the lamp into the areas of your heart, the bitterness and the unforgiveness or resentment or the things that, that I'm thinking about that are, that are in, the, in the attic and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into those things. One, one of the toughest things that I think I've had over the last year is a thing called blind spots where I'm sitting with leaders and everybody else can see what they're not seeing. You don't see this. I don't know where I, I don't know where. Everybody else can see what you're not seeing. You don't want to be in that posture. Let me just tell you, this team love you. They're trusted. Leanne and I trust our team. If two or three people are saying the same thing and you don't see it, trust. If I have a heart condition and I don't see that I've got a block day order, and I go into the surgery, I don't need to see. I can trust that, that they have told me that something's blocked, something's not working, that they need to open me up and they need to clear, clear out the, the calcium deposits or whatever it is in there to unblock my heart. The, 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 the surgeon, I'm gonna trust that he knows what he's doing. I'm gonna trust that he can see because I know he has my best intentions. In the same way, like just, Look into the Word of God. Become a seer. The, the, the eagle, because if you can't see in, you're not going to see out. Jesus said, if your eye is full of darkness, your, life will, your heart will be full of darkness. But your, if your eye is full of light, your whole life will be full of light. If you can't see in, you're not going to see out. And we all, we all see those people. It's like, oh, my God, they don't see it. You know, they, they, they get up and they're, 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 their skirt is tucked into their underwear. And they're walking around. It's like, oh, dear God, somebody tell them. Oh, my gosh, lady, you, 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 your butt is showing to everybody. And they don't see it. They're just carrying on, on their own merry way. Or they've got spinach in their teeth. And we need people in our worlds that see the greatest gift. The older I get, the longer I live is the ability to see. And here's what I found is I, I want to prophesy and I want to be prophetic and I want to see what does 24 look like? What, what is coming? What's the devil doing in 24? But here's what I realized. If I don't humble myself like the scripture says and allow God to show me, uh, uh, 
my posture to see things that I may not want to see because by seeing it means I have to acknowledge it. I have to humble myself. I have to repent of it. I have to deal with it. Oh my gosh, I, I covered it. I hid it. I, I've been able to hide it for years. I've been able to perform my way uh, above it so it doesn't affect. I've been able to do all of these things. But if I don't see that, I'm telling you, I go blind. Because Eli did not want to see what his sons were doing, he went blind. He was called to be prophetic, but he went blind. Because when you turn a blind eye, you turn your eye blind. You you and I are called to have the face of an eagle. We are called to be prophetic. To be prophetic means that you got to see. To see is the price is can you let God see the things in your life that need his attention, that he's putting his finger on, that he's trying to challenge you on so that you can flourish. Come on, I'm over time. Let's stand to our feet. The four faces of a heavenly leader. Did that help anybody? Twisted is going to be amazing. Can we just one more time thank our beautiful hair directors and team? It is going to be incredible. Um, let's, let's keep rallying. I want every show sold out. Uh, bring people. But lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the privilege of, of leading this incredible church in eight locations, soon to be nine, then 10. Father, we counted, uh, we just counted an honor. It's so humbling. But Heavenly Father, we don't want to reflect the leadership that we see in the earth. We want to reflect the leadership that we see in heaven. And we want to be heavenly leaders that wear the four faces. Father, we are the first one, the ox. The first posture is that we're called to be a servant. The second one is that we're called to be sons and daughters. We're called to be in submission. The third one, that we're called to be lions, to have strength and courage. That we're called to, to be strong. And Father, the fourth one is that we're called to be eagles at sea. Father, help us to have all four. Help us not settle for one, two, or three, but to be all four. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you welcome Pastor Shelley as she comes. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.